episode 10 of the Cup of Mets podcast season two. Ian Bosniak here, joined alongside by Robert Venegas, as always. Uh, I don't really know how to how to begin this one, Rob. Uh, aside from that, we'll keep it personal. How are you, first and foremost? <laughs> uh, doing great, Ian, you know, long time no see. Uh, uh-huh. hope, hope everything's well on your side. Um, again, <laughs> I know I know you went through it last week, but uh, again, I hope you're holding, holding up okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, I won't be, uh, I won't be chucking high ninety seat anymore. Um, I, uh, you know, underwent labrum and rotator cuff think, surgery. I don't so. think you ever did, but 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 continue. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, you know, I I pumped it up there, but uh, you know, no no more doing that. Thank God, you know, it wasn't any you know thoracic outlet syndrome or anything like that. I didn't have to get any ribs removed or you know, anything like that. They put me out to sleep. It was a nice little, you know, snooze and woke up. Arm was in shambles. And uh, obviously it's still not feeling great, but, you know, um, we're here. And unfortunately, the it doesn't, it doesn't stop us. Um, if anything, <laughs> if anything's stopping us, it's the Mets. Yes, um, and they're not making my recovery any better. Um, probably your day-to-day not any better, but before we dive um, into all that, remember to give us a follow on them on Twitter and on YouTube. We are at Cup of Mets. Again, we are at Cup of Mets on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And then give us a sub, um, rate us, uh, rate our podcast over on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast content. Big day today, uh, June 13th. We welcome in the New York Yankees for a two-game set, the first installment of the 2023 Subway Series. Um, before we preview that and dive into the ins and outs of that, the Mets are two and eight of their last 10. Um, some quick notes there um, since we've last come to you. Uh, Pete Alonso was uh, put on the IL, big blow for, for the boys. Um, he was yeah, hit by Char- Charlie Morton. Um, Luis Guillorme was recalled. Omar Narvaez was activated and Tomas Nito was DFA'd. He did clear waivers and he is in Syracuse. John Curtis is up as well as Josh Walker. Uh, Tommy Hunter has been uh, DFA'd and uh, Zach Muckenherm has also been optioned. And then lastly, big news today, um, Luke Voigt, well, not necessarily big news, but you know, if you want to say <laughs> big news, the Mets sign, the Mets sign Luke Voigt. Um, any, any thoughts? Any thoughts there? Uh, no, listen, again, you know, maybe maybe the fact that Vientos is kind of struggling and he hasn't, and, you know, played. Uh, he hasn't really played. He hasn't really played. Um, maybe they make that swap and, and Luke Boyd's a platoon with Vogelbach at the DH spot, which, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, one of those signings where it could be like a low-risk, high-reward type type deal and, and uh, hopefully it works out. I heard when Vogelbach plays, they call it the DW. The DW? Yeah, the designated watcher. Oh, nice. That's nice. A, yes, that's it. That's what. That's what. Frank. Frank yeah, Frank yeah. the Tank last Is night that at in the. Huntington? Yeah, yeah, that was right over the here. Paramount? Um, yeah, yeah, over at the Paramount. He did that. He did that last summer too, Pete. Yeah, I think for mental oh, health oh. awareness, you know. So nice, kudos, nice, kudos to him. He had a bionic arm. I wasn't expecting that big of a brace on his arm. Um, yeah, for the wrist, right? Yeah, yeah, that's, it was kind of crazy. It was, it was for the wrist, yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, again, 
hopefully it's just a few weeks. You know, that, that's what they said. Um, just a wrist contusion as well as a little bit of a wrist brain. Um, how do you, I mean, obviously we'll talk about the offense and you know, the, all this shit that's been going on there, but do you think the Mets can survive this? Because I mean, uh, obviously the Alonzo losing Alonzo's bat shifts the order up quite a bit, and also you lose your fifty home run home run bat. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it's definitely gonna hurt. But um, again, this is where Buck needs to be a manager and mix and match and see where we can produce runs. Um, again, it, it does hurt because Alonzo Alonzo is that leader. He's uh he's that big masher, and our lineup has definitely gotten less scarier. If not, if it ever was scary, but yep. um, we're just so inconsistent around this time and or have been this whole season, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, Alonzo. we do have Alvarez. <laughs> what what did you say? We do have Alvarez. Oh, dude, since since the last time you uh were on the pod, yeah. man, Francisco Alvarez has uh come out and freaking balls a blazing. He is he's something Pretty else. Much. He's something else, man. Yeah. He, he could definitely he's here. I mean, excuse me. He's here. He's here, dude. If they, if they carry, if they carry three, uh, obviously Sean Murphy and Will Smith are having great seasons, but if they carry three catchers, um, in the all-star game, man, he's got a shot. He's also got a shot to uh, be a 30 home run guy this year, you know? So yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, what is he at 12? He's tied for first. Yeah. Yeah. He's tied for first catchers. amongst catchers. He's got 12, um, but he's only got 12 and 150 ABs. Lindor's got 12 home runs and 285 ABs. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's crazy. But, he's on uh, he, Alvarez is on a little bit of a pace though. Yeah, no, without a doubt, without dude, a doubt. Even like, even like, dude. So I went to the Cleveland game when he hit that solo shot. Like, it's just like the ball just like jumps off his bat, bro. It's 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 another it's another like that's why he bent second now. It's like perfect. Yeah, perfect, bro. Buck finally was like, fuck it. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that. Yeah. But, but, but before I touch upon that, remind me there, uh, I emphasized this on the episode nine last week i did not understand omar narvaez was coming back he was on a rehab assignment all right yeah. he was he was always coming back the tandem i had put up a reel as well on instagram the tandem was always going to be francisco alvarez and omar narvaez mm -hmm. they bring in gary sanchez gary sanchez <laughs> was a met for a millisecond Right. I think he had, he, he got one hit, you know, drove in one run, seven ABs. Yeah. And, and that was it. And a two case starts behind the dish. Yeah. Two starts behind the dish. A case that I was making was, you know, what's the point if you, if you already know that for say Narvaez is coming back, right. And Nito's also on a rehab assignment and you just brought in a guy like Gary Sanchez, who, you know, the only upside that he has is offense, which is what we need especially in, you know, pop wise, um, yeah. to me, it just never made sense. I thought that the meta DFA Tomas needed at that point, um, yeah. and kept Gary Sanchez and just, you know, ate it with the defense for X amount of weeks until Omar Narvaez comes back. But instead they DFA Gary Sanchez, Gary yeah. Sanchez then goes to San Diego he looks like Gary Sanchez of the baby Bronx Bombers, uh, you know, yeah, back in 2017. He's hitting home runs, you know, left and right in the middle yeah. of that Padre order. We could had, use him. He was like 37 at-bats. He had five home runs already. Yeah. 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 And it's like – and then and then they end up DFAing Nito. Anyway, thankfully he cleared waivers. I mean, not thankfully. If a team would have taken his 1.8 mil for this and, you know, next year, whatever, but – 
I just, I, I, I thought that whole thing was just so strange. And um, I, for me, the questions just continue to amount to just questioning things that Billy Epler's doing and yeah, the front no, office exactly. is doing in general. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, just the way they handled that whole situation, even like with their arms and all that, they're moving guys on the IL, the, you know, and then they bring up Guillaume, who now has no more options, I'm assuming. Is, is that true? He has no more options? or I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so now, you know, now he's going to have to get DFA'd if, if they send him down. You <laughs> and, know, yeah, and, like, you, and you know he'll get picked up. Yeah, definitely, 100%. And that's that shouldn't happen. But And I, I don't think it's going to happen now because he's back on the big league club, but it's just the way Apple has been operating. And then even Showalter saying he doesn't make the lineups. I'm just like, damn, what is going on, man? Yeah. What is going on? I yeah, mean, we're so not out of it. Numbers-wise, statistically, we're still not out of it. Three games is nothing. I but know. It's the fact that how inconsistent we've been. And then when we're actually consistent, they just, instead of keeping with the consistency, they change it up. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, I know we want to get everybody involved, but at this point of the season, if you're not hitting, you're not playing. If you're not pitching well, you're not pitching in bigger spots. You know, it should be like I can't, yeah. I can't, can't go under eight games. You know, we're at yeah. what? We're four games under. We can't, we can't stretch it out to eight to ten. Yeah, we're, we're nine. Down climb. We're nine games out of the NL East. We're three games out of a wild card spot. And again, mm-hmm. we're not, we're not standing hunting right now. It's, it's June thirteenth, right? But yeah, you can't let, you can't let that amount. The Phillies are starting to play better. The Marlins are legit. No, legit, legit. And you know, like, Alcantara is like having a shit year, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And Sandy Alcantara is not having a good year. Um, yeah. But funny, these quick notes here that, you know, I just wanted to point out, we could spiral. <laughs> we could spiral off this. Like, no no sure. joke, because there's just so many question marks and there's just so many things that have been going on that's just so odd in the way that this team has been operating off the field. And then on the field, they looks like they look like a bunch of morons. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I saw like some, somebody put like a blooper video together the other yeah. day, you know, the Mets went to Atlanta, you know, since we last spoke, uh, they went to Atlanta, got swept by Atlanta. Then they went to Pittsburgh, lost two or three at, uh, against Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. They could have won all three games. Um, and Atlanta could have won two of three as well. Um, we could have won all three. Yeah. Yeah. We could have, we could have won. We could have won all three. So, just um, just another June swoon. Now, um, I don't think any. I don't think any of us expected us the the club to be thirty one and thirty five. That you know, sixty six games into the season, but it is what it is. And um, after winning one hundred and one, after winning one hundred and one games last year, um, and to be honest, I'm tired of listening to that because yeah. the other thing too that again last season was incredible from on the field, the fan perspective, off the field, whatever, but the Mets didn't play great in September. No, you know, so that's, so that's September. More, more right? wins. Yeah. Yeah. April, April this year, I think what they were like three, two, three, four games over 500 at the end of April. And then May and June, they haven't been great. So when you're looking at play, you know, they, they've really struggled three of their last four months of regular season baseball. Um, yeah, no, definitely. You know, definitely, and especially on the pitching end, but yeah, which is sad to see because you know, then we have to burn our bullpen. No one can go more than five innings. It's kind of you know, yeah, it's been the and tale then, of it's been a tale of two cities. And then Billy, but but thank goodness for all Billy De, uh, Billy Depler. Jeez, thank goodness for <laughs> thank goodness for all Billy Epler's uh, pitching depth, right? 
Amen. What a bum. <laughs> what a bum. So, obviously, Beatty, Alvarez, Vientos are in the majors. You know, you and I, we forget that Vientos is in the majors sometimes. Admittedly, he doesn't play, right? Uh, Carlos Baegra, uh, former New York Met, former Meager. He's got the inside scoop. He's right. Maybe, I don't know, maybe like 60-40, maybe 70-30. But he's more right than he is wrong. Um, Yes, definitely, definitely. He posted the other day that uh, Ronnie Mauricio would be getting the call, um, whether it be right before the um, Subway Series or right after, sometime this week. And he would play up the middle with Francisco Lindor. Um, Obviously, that's extremely exciting from a fan standpoint, especially inserting that bat into a lineup that's abysmal right now. But if Ronnie Mauricio is coming up, what are your initial thoughts there? Um, And how do you think he plays into the lineup? No, yeah. I mean, again, he's a switch hitting middle infielder that could probably play third too. And and there were rumors that he's going to play the outfield. Uh, I, I thought, I thought that, you know, again, hearing the initial report, Carlos, I, I love Carlos. He got the Devers signing, right? He uh, yep. called, you know, he called Arson judge to the giants. <laughs> um, but other than that, no, I mean, it's good to hear that. Maybe bring a little excitement, more excitement to the lineup. I mean, you know, again, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of sending Vientos down, but if they don't, if they don't send down Vientos, I think that just ups his game even more, just being familiar with another familiar face in Ronnie Mauricio. And uh, I would like to see him in left field, you know, give him A-Bs, man. Yeah. Mauricio thus far in Syracuse, he is, he's is he got an OPS of 884. He's hitting 320 with a 360 on base percentage, uh, eight home runs, 35 RBIs, nine stolen bases. Obviously, as you said, would really make an impact in the lineup. Um just kind of comes down to, again, who are we sending down? Um, does it ultimately make us that much? I mean, I actually, I thought that, I thought Mauricio was going to get called up when Alonzo got hurt. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you felt the same way, but um, that's why I do think that a Vientos would be sent down, um, you know, if Mauricio would be called up. Again, mm-hmm. I don't, even if the Mets fall tonight, I don't, knock on wood, I don't think they're going to go ahead and say, hey, Mauricio, hop on a flight, get down here from Syracuse and and be, you know, in, in uni tomorrow. I think yeah. it would be um, against St. Louis and, you know, against um, Houston next week more so. Um, but mm-hmm. Well, I also saw a report that, you know, he did get – he is day-to-day and he went to go get his MRI or his, on his X-ray, ankle. whatever it was. Yeah, on his ankle in New York. So it kind of like – I was trying to kind of connect the two. Ooh, you never know. Wait, it was yeah. was it in did it, did it say New York City? Oh, he, he, he went to New York. Yeah, he went to New York and got the whatever it was, X-ray, MRI, and they were like, "Yeah, he's day to day." Yeah. <laughs> he could. So, he could. Yeah. He could be like a. Uh, he could be like on the Phantom Bus right now. So as I mentioned earlier, things aren't looking great right now. Currently in fourth place, nine games behind the Braves in the East, three games um, in back of a wild card spot, 31 and 35, dropped five of six, got swept by Atlanta, lost two of three um, against Pittsburgh. We've spoken about the Mets signing Luke Voigt. We've spoken about Alonso due to the IL. We've spoken about the potential of Ronnie Mauricio coming up. However, uh-huh. As inconsistent as the offense has been and as abysmal 
and frustrating as the offense has been. The pitching is absolutely the most concerning problem, and we won't go game by game. We'll just just go straight into the pitching. The pitching sucks right now. The only players <laughs> that I trust going there currently is Max Scherzer mm-hmm. and Kodai Sanga on six days rest. Sanga. Yeah, no, Sanga's the, yeah, again, Sanga's a dog. He's proven that he could pitch on six days rest exactly. in the MLB. Um, That's an I, issue. It looks like he's getting, it looks like, He's getting used to the American baseball yeah. uh, along with, you know, cutting the walks down, I believe, a mm-hmm. little bit, yep. uh, you know, minorly. Um, but again, no, great, great stuff. The fork ball goes pitch is insane. Uh, hitters think it's a fastball and then it just dips last second. Him and Alvarez is a great tandem. Um, and then you got Mad Max, you know, he's starting to come back to reality a little bit in terms of how he could be as a pitcher, as a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yeah. Um, but again, we need his buddy over there in JV. 3-5 to get his shit together and pitch a great game. It seems like, again, you know, I, his start in Toronto was all right. Uh, Justin Verlander, where he went six innings, uh, he looked like Justin Verlander. It seems to me like the the teams that he's carved up throughout his careers, he, he's he's trying to, he's, he's always like on, like against the Blue Jays or against like the Reds, whatever. But yeah. then they face like a team like the Braves where he's throwing 80 pitches in three innings. It's very concerning. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll, I'll just... I'll just run it by quick on Scherzer and um, Sanga. They both obviously look very good right now. Sanga, especially on six days rest. Um, but Max Scherzer, he's made 10 starts. Um, he's really gotten it together despite his struggles in his last outing. Um, he did give up five runs, but he struck out 10. Um, thus far this season, lowered that ERA to 371, that FIP to 389. Um, and he's posted a one war thus far in 10 game start. So, um, you know, things are looking up in regards to Max. And in his last start, um, he was so crisp. Those were four of his greatest innings that he's pitched thus far this season. Um, so Max looks like he's really getting it together. And when you even go more into his advanced metrics, you're seeing 80th percentile and above when it comes to stat cast and um, expected ERA and WOBA, uh, expected batting average against, um, curve spin, fastball spin, you know, with percentage, walk percentage, and um, expecting slugging percentage are all, um, you know, in positive uh, categories as well. So things are really looking good for Max. And also, you know, I'm not sure if people peeped it, but in his last start as well, he was pumping 95, 96, and even touched 90, um, you know, towards Perfect. even towards even the latter end um, of his start. So, yep. um, you know, listen, hopefully the injury bugaboos and whatever the hell he was dealing with earlier on. Um, obviously the suspension as well, but hopefully he's just on a rhythm now, you know, and um, yeah. you know, and, and, and he can, and he can continue this. And, you know, again, he's got a tall task tonight um, in the arson judges list uh, Yankee Yankees lineup. Uh, the judges out. That's basically what I was trying to say there. Um, but <laughs> then in Sanga, I mean, Sanga on six days rest is a completely different pitcher um, than a pitcher on five, than Sanga on five days rest. That's concerning over the long haul because right now I expect Verlander to get on his game and I expect Carlos Carrasco to be somewhere around where he's been pitching thus far this year. But right now we haven't seen Quintana. Peterson's looked like shit. McGill hasn't been. So if we're going to expand to a six man rotation at some point, you know, you're going to need those arms. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, I think the, the, the greatest things about Sang is obviously the velocity has been great. He's been striking out hitters, but um, he's got the highest whiff whiff rate on any singular pitch in the major leagues thus far. Um, and that is his fork ball. Shout out Brandon Tierney for saying he's a bust. Brandon Tierney's a bust. <laughs> Sengel was a bust. Is a bust apparently. So, yeah, I think he was also saying that Luke Voigt was better than Pete Alonso a couple of years ago. Um, Definitely. so he was. Tier, you know, Tierney can Tierney can keep it to WFAN. Uh, they're on their way out anyway. Um, anyway, um, it's all about the podcasts nowadays, baby. Um, <laughs> um yeah, man, you brought up three five before. Um, what do you? What are you? What are you seeing from JV? Uh, you know, again, going back from his last start in Atlanta, just a lot of pitches over the middle, uh, where they just battled and they ran up his pitch count. He walked a lot of guys. I'm pretty sure he walked in a run, uh, mm-hmm. with the bases loaded. Um, you know, again, he's very ineffective, and then it's just you know his. I, I feel like his age is catching up to him a little bit. Um, yeah. In terms of the big four zero, you know, again coming off Tommy John, a couple years ago, it's tough. And, you know, I hate to say it, but when you put on that blue and orange, sometimes it, it takes a toll on him too. So, you know, no, nah, I'm just playing. But I don't know. Again, you know, it just doesn't look like Justin Verlander. He was the one that we signed. That was supposed to be like that Hall of Famer. He went from a he went from a 39 year old first year back from Tommy John winning a Cy Young <laughs> with the Astros, puts on the orange and blue, as you said, immediately ages four years. He's 43 years <laughs> old. <laughs> and uh, no. No, I think I think the most frustrating thing when it comes to Verlander is, as you said, he is um, leaving pitches out and over the plate. He's getting um, he and he's and he's also walking batters. Um, mm-hmm. Right. He against his against the Braves in his last start. He walked he walked four batters. OK, um, against the Blue Jays, he walked three before then, you know, in his previous uh, five starts, he didn't walk over two batters. Um I think I think the biggest concern with me in regards to Verlander is as you said, um they he doesn't despite him having all of his pitches readily available in terms of the fastball and the slider and the curve and the changeup, he doesn't seem to have an out pitch. And hitters are racking up his his pitch total. Um, he's not going deep into games, despite he has gone into the seventh inning once, um, and into the eighth inning as well. Um, yeah, I guess but I, yeah, but I feel like for Verlander, he's either been, um, you know, with an exception to, all right, I got his game logs right here with an exception to the start in Detroit where he, you know, gave up two runs over five innings. The game against Cincinnati was terrific. The game against Clinton was terrific. And then again, the game, the start against the Blue Jays, despite him getting the loss, was good. That's three starts. He's made seven starts. Three of them have been atrocious, right? And that's one, <laughs> all right. And that's one against the Braves. That's one against yep. the Rockies, and then then that's another against the Rays. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, we have to see Verlander get into a rhythm because, mm-hmm. again. The scalpula is no joke. Not everybody can come back like Jacob deGrom last year and throw 100, especially if they're old, right? Verlander has recognized as he's gotten older that he no longer is going to be throwing 97, 98 and striking out 300 batters in a season. 
with that said, he's just getting hit hard. Um, he's hitting the 26th percentile when it comes to hard hit percentage. Uh, average exit velo off him is within the 19th percentile. Um, so he's getting hit hard. Um, yeah. Real, I really want to see him command um, that fastball as well as the slider uh, tomorrow in his start against the Yankees because, again, it's only been seven starts. Mm-hmm. But as we creep towards the all-star break, if he's healthy and he continues to get yeah, there's definitely going to be concerns. Um, and it does make you question, are you regretting the signing? Or are we be, or is that too, or is that too dramatic of a question? Uh, well, again, you know, I kind of was thinking about that pre, pre-episode that I looked at his numbers. First seven starts were like this. Hopefully the next seven, uh, like you said, he can get into a rhythm and, and kind of, kind of figure it out. But, but if if that doesn't happen, then yeah, you you kind of have to put into question: was it worth it? You know, was it worth it? But again, the only guy out there to replace a guy like the ground was Justin Verlander, so it's a fifty-fifty in my in my eyes. Or uh, Carlos Rodon, who hasn't even thrown a pitch this year. So, mm. I mean, I guess I guess for me, I'm not thinking let's regret it because listen, when he in those three to four starts that he's been tremendous that he's been good to tremendous um he has shown that he is Justin Verlander and then some that ages that 40 is only a number but then when he has looked bad he's looked so bad so yeah. we need to see him get on a rhythm and then I'll be able to make more of a determination whether or not right it was a bad signing with that being said 40 plus million dollars allocated um, to replace Jacob Degrom, obviously Degrom underwent Tommy John surgery. Um, terrible. Uh, but wishing him a speedy recover. Yeah, yeah. We all, yeah. From us, us here at the Cup of Mets podcast, we wish you Jacob Degrom uh, a speedy recovery. But um, I just, I just, I don't want to say yet that that he's washed or that age is catching up to him or this or that because if he gets into the rhythm and he's locating his pitches, he says that he's fe- that he feels fine. Um, that there's nothing wrong. He's a smart pitcher. He even made a comment earlier that he's not. He knows that he's not pitching to the forty plus million dollars that he's making. He knows it, you know. And he does not pitch to be a mediocre pitcher. Yeah. So I guess for me, I'm not regretting anything whatsoever um, until it actually proves to be that this was a bad signing because it hasn't proved to be that quite yet. He's just been yeah. inconsistent and a little unreliable. The only thing that I can say and I spoke very heavily about this throughout the offseason in our hot stove in that I felt that the Mets if the Mets weren't going to bring back um Jacob deGrom I kind of felt like they should have spread out that money a little bit right um obviously they went and tried to sign Carlos Correa to the to the you know 30 plus million dollars a year um you know, and then they they ended up shelling out forty plus million dollars to Justin Verlander, so that's sixty plus, you know, seventy plus million dollars dollars allocated to two different players. I kind of felt like the Mets could have pivoted, um, you know, into another direction. Um, maybe resigned a Chris Bassett, who's looking tremendous thus far this season. Twenty million dollars. Think about that. It would have they yeah. still could have signed Kodai Sanga. Kodai Sanga, they definitely should have signed because he's got so much upside. You could have had Scherzer, Bassett, 
and Senga, right? And then think about it. There's still another $20 million there that Verlander is getting that you could have allocated to a bat or you could have allocated to another arm. And to me, again, I don't know if this was coming from Steve Cohen or, you know, or again, Billy Epler, but to me, I even said it to you earlier today. Again, mm-hmm. no disrespect to Verlander, Hall of Famer. He's looked so, so good this year at, at points, right? But to me, I just felt like there's a reason why we didn't beat the Padres in playoffs last year. There's a reason why we struggled and didn't win the East last year. There were things that had to be fixed. And what I felt like Billy Epler did was he tried to put the pieces together as best he could to try to recreate the 2022 New York Mets. So if that meant, you know, saying goodbye to arguably the greatest pitcher in the game, he's going to get the number two in Justin Verlander, right? Yeah. Whereas they really could have dabbled in other areas because now you're seeing the offense has a ton of flaws and the depth really is not there when it comes to the pitching. Last thing on the pitching, obviously the pen is taxed um, because starters can't go more than four or five innings. Uh, Edwin Diaz says that he can come back in September. That's kind of another side piece, but I think that this just goes back to what I said earlier on. <laughs> About what? First off, the World Baseball Classic fucked us up, okay? <laughs> okay, and again, Edwin Diaz, that's not like, oh, you know, Edwin Diaz, if he was healthy, the Mets would be in first place. No, there was some, it was some sort of bad voodoo that night when it happened. I even, I told you that. I told you yeah. that. I was yeah. scared. I was scared. There was just a pit that dropped in my stomach, right? So he <laughs> says he he says that he can come back in September. Great. That's September. We got to make it there. There's no reason for him to pitch in September Yeah. if we're out of if it. And David Robertson has been tremendous, but he was brought in to be the setup man for Edwin Diaz. Okay. Adam Adovino was supposed to be the seventh inning man and that setup man that can come in uh, for David Robertson uh, if he's not available or whatever, right? Um, a guy like Adam Ottavino, I don't think his workload is why he's struggling. I think that he's genuinely think he can't command the slider. He's also getting hit hard on the slider, uh, and that's a problem when he is the human slider. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but... This goes back to my initial point. Billy Epler said that he was not going to pursue any other arms. And again, I'm not talking about after the World Baseball Classic. I'm not a moron. I know that there's no, there wasn't anybody available with a week to go before the season. But you look, and in February and in late January, you heard Billy Epler say, Oh, you know, we're going to go for more optional pieces because we want to be able to have the roster flexibility to do what we want throughout the course of the season. Yeah, how's that working for you, buddy? <laughs> Dude, like, yeah. There... No, I know, I know. And a guy like, you know, that we let walk that comes to mind, a guy like Seth Lugo, he could have really helped us this year. Yeah. But then there were so many other arms. There were other names. I'm just thinking internally. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I can't even 
I can go ahead and look at the free agent list because it'll just make my blood pressure boil. You know, because <laughs> there were just there were just too many names that we even touched upon that we spoke about. Um, you know, that should have uh, been could have been Mets. Um, even with that, even yeah, even with it, well, with a health a healthy Edwin Diaz, and um, they chose not to go in that direction. Billy Epler, uh, in particular, and it's biting him in the ass right now. Um, well, I mean, again, you've seen it. You've seen it down. You know, years and years, years. World Series champs. You know, they they have deep bullpens. So, yep. You know, whether it's a late acquisition or, or you know, throughout the throughout the off season, like you got to have arms. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's why, like, I I was even trying to figure out if there was somebody that could take that was thin on catching, right. That could take Tomas Nito um, and that we can get back just an arm, just somebody that we can throw out there. Even last year, who needs, who needs a designated watcher? Anybody need a designated watcher? <laughs> we don't have to get Colin Holderman back, but just, just give us an arm. Give us- Pushing to the offense throughout the six game stretch. What was the biggest issue that you saw? Obviously the approach was kind of off, but um what player did you have the biggest problem with? Um, <laughs> no, it's not, it's, it's, not a, it's not a player thing for me. It's more just like a team thing. I hate to sound like that. I hate to sound corny, but it's just when your whole team collectively doesn't find ways to to win games, It's, it's it just looks ugly. I mean, the first game was terrible. You know, I was getting updates out the Wuha, and it's 14 to 2 at one point. Um. And then, you know, we come back with a win, which is nice. I, I kind of saw that coming. But then even the third game, just, you know, taking the lead, one nothing, and just not getting anything done after that. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. And and I, I agree with you. I think it's one of the things that, yes, if a few bats, important bats go cold, it kind of uh, resonates throughout the lineup and a lot of players yeah. struggle, right? Um I think the thing that's bothering me right now, and I agree, uh, it's not necessarily just a player because there's quite a few players that are struggling right now. But to me, I think it's more so of of an approach type of a deal. And I know I mentioned that at the outset, but you see a guy like Jeff McNeil. He looks like 2021 Jeff McNeil. You know, he's chasing those cutters and those sliders that are down and they're not down at his feet, and they're not even coming from left-handed pitchers. They're coming from right-handed pitchers. You know, he's not picking up the ball well. Uh, so McNeil McNeil hasn't looked great, and his approach has looked off. Um, in certain instances where the Mets should look to work the pitcher more, they're swinging at first pitches. I've seen Brandon yeah. Nimmo swing at a few first pitches recently, and obviously he's been one of the bright spots offensively. But, you know, that kind of makes you scratch your head. Um, and then you just see them just leaving runners in scoring position left and right. And I know that that's such a broad thing to say in terms of, Oh, what's your biggest issue right now? But it just gets tiring. And then the fact that you don't have Pete Alonzo in the middle of that order shit. And, and that's why maybe a Ronnie Mauricio insert him into the middle of the order. Maybe it does something. Just brings a little life to the team, you know? Yeah. Or maybe we're still not out. Yeah, we got the kid here. He's he's playing his ass off. Like, let's go. Let's play our asses off. Absolutely, absolutely. Either that, or let's freaking play Mark Vientos. He's not going to be a sa- he's not going to be a savior. He's not our best prospect. But why is he sitting on the bench? 
I know yeah. I said this earlier, but like things, things that we can do right now, things that we can look at and say, okay, this is a positive for the Mets right now. The guy is sitting on the bench. He's 23 years old. He's got so much power. Yeah. Let him, let him play. Definitely. Let him play. All right, Rob, let's play the blame game. Um, real <laughs> quick. Cause we're Met fans. Somebody has to be blamed. New Yorkers as well. So, you know, Epler, Showalter, players, everybody. Um, where are you at right now? Uh, okay. I'm, I, you know, again, you can break it down, dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, again, my, my blame game choice is going to be on Billy Epler. Billy, I didn't like the moves you did, you made in the offseason. Correa would have been that nice splash, but it it didn't work out. Once that didn't work out, we had to get more, uh, you know, again, depth in terms of bench pieces, guys that, you know, are good against left-handed pitching, like maybe like Adam Duvall or like, I'm not going to name names, like maybe even a McCutcheon, but but dude, I'm going to blame Billy Epler for this start to the season. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um I think that it's shared between Billy Epler and the players. I know that I come on here and bitch, moan, and groan about Buckshell Walter and his managerial decision-making skills, um, including you know the pinch-hitting assignment that I brought up before, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But I'm not doing that. A, the players have to play. The players have Correct. names Correct. in the back of their jerseys, and I'll say this. I'll use the word track record, okay, Buck? They got track records, okay? And they can play. Correct. Um, and they're good players, so they should be able to play. Um, Billy Epler, though, I absolutely 100 million percent exactly what you just said. Um, as simply as we just saw how, and again, yes, he didn't sign the big, the other big bat that we needed. And, you know, maybe he didn't spread out the money well enough in the starting rotation and this and that. But look at how he just handled the catching situation, Right. Brings in a guy like Gary Sanchez who has offensive upside, drops him after three games when he already knew that he was going to drop Nito and Narvaez was coming back. Brings back Nito for a few games, then drops Nito. Look at DH. Look how DH has turned out for us this thus far this season. And look how many yeah. bats the Mets could have pursued in the offseason to make sure that we had a solid designated hitter. But no, but no, $1.5 million in Daniel Vogelbach. Lefty hitter, one-dimensional, okay. Darren Ruff as well. If the plan, and again, Darren Ruff was DFA'd. And he was DFA'd days before opening day. Yeah. Um. So again, when you look at like, and look at the designated hitters that were available. And think about all the, think about all the bats that you could have gone ahead and tried to sign. You know, the hat upside, uh, Cody Bellinger, J.D. Martinez, uh, you know, veterans, guys that are re- trying to reestablish themselves, Michael Conforto, Mitch Hanniger. Like, we brought all these guys up. And yeah. you look at it and you just say that I really categorize these two in very similar fashions in terms of the catching situation that we just saw play out, as well as the the DH that we saw transpire in the winter. And that we spoke about in the winter, the winter to the spring to obey. Um, Billy Epler operates in weird ways. And I think that um, there's a reason why he didn't last long in Los Angeles. So before we wrap up here, season two, episode 10, uh, looking ahead, 
as we mentioned before, the Mets begin a very brief two-game set with the New York Yankees uh, at home at City Field. Uh, it'll be Max Scherzer tonight taking on Luis Severino for the Yankees. And then tomorrow evening, it'll be Justin Verlander um, taking on Garrett Cole. Uh, they then have another off day on Thursday. Literally want want to you know make us all rip our hair out of our heads. <laughs> Friday through Sunday, uh, we oh, are home. Yeah, we are home. <laughs> yeah, we are home versus the Cardinals. Um, and then uh, next Monday through Wednesday, we are in Houston. Rob, what is your current confidence rating for the New York Mets? I would say that's my implied. Rating, my confidence rating right now is five out of ten. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. again, keys, keys to the keys to the both series, you know, just protect the house. We've been playing okay at home. I, I know we're above 500 at home this year, so you know, keep playing well at home. Uh, try to scratch out at least three wins out of these five out of these next five games. And, and again, you have a day off Thursday, so go all out Tuesday, go all out Wednesday. Yeah, confidence rating is probably at a four, uh, right. four, four <laughs> I was I was very very adamant about how I felt Billy Epler should have went about the offseason and I, yeah, I feel like yeah. and I feel like I'm watching a play out and I really hope that I'm wrong and I hope that they can really turn it around. As you mentioned before, 3 of 5 would be the perfect um obviously I mean the perfect scenario would be you know we clean sweep sweep the Yankees sweep the Cardinals but 3 out of 5 would be a good starting point and you know head to Houston at 34 and 37, you know, three games under 500. And, you know, the Astros aren't having the greatest of seasons either. So hopefully things can, hopefully things can look up. Uh, Rob, we have a prediction for these next two games. We win tomorrow night. We win tomorrow night. Okay. No, I'm kidding. We we sweep them. (laughs) We sweep them. Okay. I have a feeling. Yeah. They're going to play with us. You know this. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. I, I was saying this earlier to, to, to a buddy of mine. Yeah. I think the Mets. I think the Mets are going to sweep the Yankees, right? <laughs> They're going to just grab us by the balls, right? Then we'll go and we'll face the Cardinals. Maybe we sweep. Maybe we take two out of three, and then maybe we go to Houston. We play well, feeling good. Feeling good. All of a sudden, we're a week and a half out of, from July, and people are like, "Oh man, here we go. The trains <laughs> rolling. The Mets are." And then all of a sudden, they'll we'll see, play. We'll see. And then all of a sudden they'll play a three game stretch against the, against the nationals and we'll get swept or something. I don't know. Um, Rob, any final thoughts here? No, man. You know, like I said, just keep playing well at home. Hopefully the pitching shows out and uh, let's go Mets. Yes, sir. Feel better. Most importantly, feel better, man. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you, dude. I would show you the incisions, but they're kind of gross. All right, sweet. (laughs) All right, sweet. Remember to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, We are at Couple Mets. And again, for Rob Onegas, I'm Ian Bosniak. Good night, everybody.